Welcome to another informative episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm Jesse Lipscomb, executive producer with Mosaic Entertainment. I mean, a great way to think of a producer uh, would be like a sport team GM. You know, everything that happens within the project, you hire the right people, you oversee the casting and the directors, you oversee and decide which shows you're actually going to create, and you're also responsible for finding the money for those shows. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? You have instant feedback. If you were to do a crowdfund, things like Indiegogo, Kickstarter, GoFundMes, you find out instantly if people actually care about what you care so passionately about. And it doesn't mean your idea is bad if it doesn't work. It just means you might have to deliver it a little differently. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis. Our co-host, as you know, is Fred Keating, but Fred is not joining me for this episode because Fred is actually in Toronto working on a project, so I'm going solo. I'm going solo here from the Banff Centre in this amazing place called Banff, Canada. And, of course, the Banff Centre is an amazing place, too, where there's a storytelling summit going on, which is being hosted by the Alberta Media Production Industries Association, as well as the Banff Centre itself. There are creative people from across North America here, and uh, some from beyond as well. But sitting with me now is a special guest. His name is Jesse Lipscomb. He's the executive producer at Mosaic Entertainment. Yes, how are you? Uh, yeah, that's what I do. That's one of my titles. Uh, of course, I've been a, a, an actor and, and a musician and an artist for the vast majority of my life, as well as an athlete. But it's all, I guess, come together to a place now where I create film, television, video games, and other creative properties. Splendid. Jesse, tell me a little bit more about how you've brought these multiple talents, multiple passions together into a production company. And how does all of this work? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because that, that, that question, it's a good one, but there's not one answer. I can tell you mine, which uh, comes from many different ways. I started off as an athlete. I was a relatively gifted athlete at a young guy. I was a high jumper, played some basketball. But in the entertainment world, I started in film and TV in 1994. I got lucky. I didn't have any previous experience. I just knew that I wanted to try something. I auditioned for a show. The show was called Children of the Dust. It was with Sidney Poitier, Regina Taylor, nominated for an Emmy. That show uh, kind of jump-started my love for the industry. Uh, after that, I, I acted, I sang, it was something we did in, at, with my family all the time. Um, I wrote, I directed, I wrote musicals, uh, kept auditioning, acting, open companies, businesses. These things all together looked like what a producer does. You know, you raise money, uh, you have some say in the creative trajectory of a project, and you have some passion about what you're doing. So all three of those things together kind of you know, laid the groundwork for me to become a producer. Now, when Fred and I started our careers, and we've talked about this a few times, is that we were told you really need to specialize, pick one thing, become really good at it, become known for that, and that will be your career trajectory in the creative industries. I think I hear you saying, uh-uh, not anymore. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's fair. I think it's you, you do have to pick something, and, and, I, and I did. You know, I, I didn't pick one thing, but I, for me, it was athletics was one thing. Uh, entertainment was one thing and business is one thing, but there's a lot that fits under all of those umbrellas. And so I was clear saying that, you know, the entertainment world and the business world is something that I want to focus on. Those are two things. And then under that, I mean, I guess the sky's the limit. You know, I, I guess that's how I proved it to myself. I'm focused, but there's a lot of details that I like to play with within those umbrellas. Okay, so tell me about the sort of projects that you work on now. 
You know, so right now we're working on our fifth season of Tiny Plastic Men. It is a sitcom, adult sitcom on Super Channel right now, and it's also available in the States on Hulu. Uh, we're working on Delmer and Marta, which is a show that will be on APTN in Canada. Um, we're also working on a couple of features this summer, releasing one of our features, working on a couple of mobile games, as well as some other digital properties. So we're staying relatively busy as we do every year, you know, five to six projects a year. Okay, and you're the producer, the executive producer on these? That's right. There's three executive producers and partners. Myself, Jesse Lipscomb, Camille Baudouin, and Eric Baudouin, and Eric Rebalkin. All three of us are the EPs on the show. Uh, all different roles. I am, we call a CMO, so I'm our chief marketing officer. So a lot of the marketing, private funding that happens, innovative and new ideas of how we share our information, our content and with, with the world. Then Camille does a lot of the creative aspect of scripts, overseeing scripts, uh, and Eric is more of the public funding aspect. So all three of them together kind of encompass all the ways you can fund one, distribute one, and, and quality control. So for the benefit of some of our younger listeners who maybe have a little less experience, these are the things that producers do. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, a great way to think of a producer uh, would be like a sport team GM, right? So, you know, everything that happens within the project, you oversee, you hire the right people, whether that's camera operators or, or lighting techs, you oversee the casting and the directors, you oversee and decide which shows you're actually going to create. And you're also responsible for finding the money for those shows and then making something that's saleable. So it's going to make money when the show's done afterwards. So just the whole gamut, you're kind of like the coach slash general manager. Finding money. Okay, that's a good topic. How do you find money for these things? There's a, uh, I mean, the money's everywhere. This is the neat thing too. So uh, one thing to look at is where do you spend money on content yourself? You And we all do everywhere in many different ways. So to assume that money is not available, it's there, we're spending it. It's about how do we create content that entices someone to spend their own money on it because they think it's good enough that other people will do the same. And we have government programs that are there in Canada, specifically Alberta. Although we should say that's not the case in every jurisdiction around the world. No, not at all. I mean, in Canada, we are blessed. It is amazing what they have for us. And, you know, what they do to continue the, the arts and the entertainment world going, they put money into it for us. And, and, we, and when we make products, we make money for the country, which is a great thing. So there's paperwork and things to learn, and it's all available online. Some of it's super boring, but it's there and it's worth it because you get some money that you don't have to pay back. And it's a great place we live in. But secondly, there's other ways to do it, which uh, ways like crowdfunding or private investors, things that have less red tape and allow you to be as creative as you possibly can and test your idea out there in the market. And if it's great, you have instant feedback. If you were to do a crowdfund, things like Indiegogo, Kickstarter, GoFundMes, you find out instantly if people actually care about what you care so passionately about. And it doesn't mean your idea is bad if it doesn't work. It just means you might have to deliver it a little differently. So you've actually done this? Yes, I have. I've done some crowdfunding in the traditional sense and some crowdfunding in the non-traditional sense of actually walking around and, and talking to crowds and asking for funds, which is essentially where these platforms came from. So I've done it on both ends and both have worked uh, successfully and both have been unsuccessful in different ways. Well, talk to me about things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter. How do you do these campaigns and what are reasonable expectations? So, I mean, they're very simple, very user-friendly. You literally go to any of these websites and right off the jump, you can get started by simply filling in your name, your information, and what kind of project you're doing and how you want to get your money. Oftentimes, there's two different ways that you can get paid. You can get paid 
where you have to hit a goal. So if my goal was $50,000 for my show, if I raise $50,000, then I get to keep that plus whatever else I raise. If I don't raise $50,000, then all the money goes back to the people because I didn't hit my goal. And usually you can do that when you have, the platform will take less of a percentage. Sometimes that's good if you know you're gonna make your money. The other version is one where you can keep it no matter what and that platform will probably take a little bit higher of a percentage. So you have to pick that right at the beginning and kind of know which way you're going to do it. But after that, you simply put a video up of, uh, of why your idea matters. The biggest question in this whole thing is why. Why are you doing it? Why are you telling the story? And why should somebody give you money versus somebody else? If you can do that in a compelling way, and there's some fun rewards on how people can have a, a say or a piece or a, a play a part in what you're doing, uh, then you're usually on your way to somewhat of a successful campaign. You use the word rewards, so you're offering a gift in that case, right? What about things like equity and, you know, well, shall we say, selling partnerships in the project? Right. I mean, until uh, as of recently, and I, I'm, I'm, to what I know, it has not yet happened where equity is something that's available in Canada. But what I hear is that's coming very, very soon. But the gifts right now that we're able to give are not equity based, but they are, you know, things like they could be a picture. It could be a promise. It could be a starring role in the show that you're making. It could be the product that you've created. It could be a prototype of it. Basically, anything that allows your audience that is, that is giving you some of their money if they feel it's worth it, you're adding value to whatever dollar figures there. If I'm asking for $5 and I say, I'm going to give you a, a Twitter shout out, maybe that equals five bucks. And they say that's worth it because of who you are. It always goes back to the story of why and who you are and whatever. If people believe that part, then the reward should be in line with that. And you can, you know, move, you can be as creative as you want to, because you'll know your own audience that you're going after. You mentioned a dollar figure of $50,000. Is this a realistic amount? Yeah, so the averages from what I've heard is between, uh, you know, 15,000 and 25. It's kind of like your your sweet spot, the middle place. 50,000 is very realistic. Uh, I've seen some up in your upwards in the 500,000 and some are over a million, but that's rare. What I've noticed is your donors are usually in between the, you know, $5 to $1,000 donors. That's the vast majority of them. And then it's just how many of those you can get. Usually when our projects are over 25 to 50, it becomes a little bit more difficult depending on what reach you have. But there's always ways to do it. But those are more diamonds in the rough. You can expect that a good campaign done properly in the you know $1,000 to $10,000 range probably will get funded if you do all the steps that you're supposed to do. Depending on how ambitious your project is, this might be enough money to either yeah, kind of get it started or it might be enough money to actually get it started and actually completed. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends too. You might have a project that's a $100,000 budget but your writing component might just be, you know, $3,000. So you crowdfund your writing component and you think of your rewards for that, uh, whatever. Maybe you name a character after someone who gives $100. You know, whatever, you can go, you can get as creative as you want to on those ones. Uh, or a signed copy of the script by all the stars later on, framed, whatever the case is. But you could segment your products, your projects and uh, make them a little bit more realistic to have them completed in the crowdfunding source before you go to other sources. Now, let's say that it's a more ambitious project and you've raised $20,000 to kind of get it started, but what you really need is a few hundred thousand dollars or half a million dollars to really get it finished. Now you're really stepping into the zone of finding angel investors. So tell us what angel investors are and how do you find them? Yeah, so I would say that I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with angel investors. And I, I if anything, I would say there is a step skipped in between those two. Before you even go to angel investors, it's often, and we call it friends and family or, or people that we actually know or have like one degree of separation away from. So you take a project where you've raised $20,000, you know, with a lot of strangers online and you have some analytics to show that people were interested in it. I funded this thing in 
four days or in 17 days. And here's how much engagement I had from individuals and here's what they said. So now you have a project, some initial seed money. Now I bring it to somebody else who I may not know, but they have some real questions and say, well, at least I see that people are there. There's an embedded audience of fans that are already there. So I don't have the same questions. Now I'll put some money in, but it's no longer about rewards now. Now it's about what do I get back? What is my ROI? How can I protect the dollars I'm giving you? Because most likely those people aren't giving you 10 or 100 or 1,000. It might be more like 10,000 or 25,000 if you're trying to reach that, that $100,000 range. And so you need to make sure that you have this, some sound business knowledge to say that, you know, listen, I will be able to pay you back money. Or maybe you're honest and say, I have no idea if I can pay money back, but I have points. Hopefully this thing goes to the film festival or we get a theater run uh, and we have some points we can give you on the back end or maybe you have a star that you really want to get into your show. You can only afford one, but that one star also gives you some what they call pre-sales. So if you have like, let's just say we had Arnold Schwarzenegger in our movie, he's worth something to the foreign market and they will tell you what it is before you even sell your show. So you'll know that, hey, I got this guy. I want to crowdfund for him. You can even get creative and say, listen, I don't have enough money, but I want to crowdfund for him. And so now you can meet him if we get to this thing. You know what I mean? So things like that. But then you get to find out how much money you're going to get back uh, and then you can promise that to your investors. Just like anything with any investment, your ROI is important. Your return on investment is what an investor is going to want to know. For crowdfunding, the return on investment is something as small as a picture or a promise. But as you get more money, it's going to be become more of a, of a real business investment. So to recap, with crowdfunding, what you're offering is appreciation. With the investors, you're offering an opportunity for them to share in the financial rewards. Yep, that is very accurate. Jesse, I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, wow, I want to do what this guy is doing. He has this figured out. He really knows how to work in the creative industries and become a success. And they're thinking, where did you learn this stuff? Where did you go to school? Oh, it's two separate questions for sure. So I went to school at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, where I studied psychology and neurobiology and then some business afterwards. But where did I learn this stuff was simply trial and error. We have the greatest opportunities right now online where you can make a million mistakes and nobody hears about them because nobody heard about them. So you can go on Kickstarter and do it wrong 100 times in a row. And there's no real track record there until you do one successful one. So just keep trying these different things and, and doing things together uh, and finding out what people, when somebody tells you, no, I'm not going to invest or I'm not going to give you money, instead of saying thank you, goodbye, ask them why. And when they give you another answer, ask them why. And you keep asking why until you have information for your next time that you go about it. Why is the most powerful question you can ask yourself and ask people who give you no's. Why am I doing the project? Why should I tell the story? Why does anybody care? And why didn't you give me any money? And when you find those things out, the next time you go to it, it's just so much stronger and you already have the answers that they would have told you. And you answer that in your presentation. And all of a sudden, you're a pretty savvy person uh, presenting your project. Right. What would it take for you to say yes? What would it take? You know, and it, it, so in one of those ones, I mean, if you asked me what would it take for me to say yes, I would simply say you're just not ready yet. My next answer would be why? So you get to the, if it's just a why, I have to answer specifically, right? And it's a key on how you ask questions, but literally be okay being uncomfortable asking somebody why they didn't like what you had to offer them. So is it like sometimes people don't give you the real answer, but if you ask why a few times, they might say, okay, here's the real answer. People care. They want you to do well. And they don't want you to feel uncomfortable and feel that you did a really crappy job, but sometimes you did. You did a really crappy job and you need to know why, and you won't find out unless you can actually get to the real truth behind it. Uh, and you might ruffle a couple of feathers the wrong way, but also somebody will appreciate that you want the real answer and then they'll give it to you. You might not get a dollar out of them, but what you get will be probably worth more than that, whatever you're asking in the long run. Jesse, what advice would you have for people who want to get into the creative 
creative industries in some way and you know maybe they want to be a writer a producer a director a cinematographer you name it it could mm -hmm. be anything they might want to publish books what do you think are some of the common denominators that are really important for success in any creative job 100% belief it's an attitude thing as it is with anything if you don't believe or you have some doubts on the fact that you think you can do this thing, then you probably won't do the steps you need to do to take to take care of what you're hoping for yourself. So belief is first. Attitude's huge. Second piece is do the thing. Just do it. Like motion. You have to actually do things to find out what you have to do next. You can sit in your basement all day long and say, I want to be a writer and write like 30 books and they never leave your basement computer. Right, so it's great. You did. You, you took the first step and you started writing and you kept writing. But if your dream is I want to publish a book, you got to go put one out there. And maybe it's amazing, maybe it's not. So it's the next step, forward progression, over and over and over. And then surround yourself with people who are doing the thing you want to do. So you can ask them and you can learn from them. And then as you learn from them and kind of become peers with them, surround yourself with people who are doing even more and continually fill your circle with inspiring individuals, positive individuals, people who believe in themselves and believe in you. And it's uh, the journey becomes even more fun than the destination when that's what you're doing. You're literally creating, hanging out with amazing, positive people and winning at life. And is there anything in your journey so far that just went so well? You would like to share that and, you know, just this is something that everybody should try. Yeah, I would say it literally is more of an attitude. It is the confidence in following what I'm passionate about, no matter what, has always ended up in me being very happy with the outcome. And I can say that from, from a love life perspective to an athletic perspective to a career perspective. There's only times I've ever felt that I didn't have success was when the times when I did not follow what I knew was that burning, passionate desire, which seems so like floofy, floofy, but it's a real thing. You know when you're doing what you love because you're really happy doing it. And you know when you hate what you're doing. You just without a doubt, man, I can't wait to be done this thing. So stop doing it. Like literally listening to your internal compass has always provided me with amazing wins. And I can't even get specific because I call my life one of those because of that. And that's what I did more than 99% of the time. It sounds like you don't go to work every day because it's not work. Yeah, absolutely. It's not work. I mean, it's, it's not work in the same way that walking up a hill and sliding down one's not work. Like it was more work for me to like run up the hill so I could slide down on my toboggan. But I did not mind running up the hill because I get to slide down on the toboggan. So I don't mind that some things take a little bit more effort because I know what's on the other side of said effort is exactly what I was hoping. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? My inspirations continue to be my babies, my little children, and my beautiful wife. They, they keep me focused. And, you know, love and passion and following is, is something you, you just need in life. So don't be scared of that either. Well said. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.